This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, at the half hour, we'll be joined by Archie Andrews, and listen in as he has to deal with being locked out. Well, we've all been there from one time or another, haven't we? The worst time for me was when I left my car keys on a little desk beside the door, walked out, closed the door, strolled in my car. Oh, no. My keys were inside the house, and, of course, my house keys on the same little key ring. Yeesh. How stupid can you be? Oh, I think I had to pry a basement window open to remedy the situation. But first, let's have a visit with Jack Webb, who so skillfully portrays Sergeant Joe Friday as we hear another episode of Dragnet. The program we're about to hear was first aired in 1953. Sound off for Chesterfield. Chesterfield is best for you. First cigarette with premium quality in both regular and king size. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a robbery detail. A pair of holdup men have been staging a series of robberies in your city. You have their description. You know their method of operation. Your job, get them. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, September 6th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Didion. My name's Friday. I was on my way into the office, and it was 8.02 a.m. when I got to room 27A. Robbery. Joe, is that you? Yeah. You just get in? Yeah, a couple of minutes ago. The last run from the stats office come in yet? No, I called them. They said it'd be about 10. Hey, you look kind of beat. Yeah, I had a little trouble sleeping last night. Huh? Went over this thing. Someplace the guys must have made a mistake. I can't figure it. Yeah. I've been trying to figure an angle, too. Saw the skipper this morning. What did he say about it? Nothing. I asked how we were doing. I told him we had a couple of things cooking. He didn't say anything. Guess he's getting plenty of heat from the front office. His pills are getting bigger. Stomach's giving him trouble again, I guess. Yeah, he had some this morning. Looked big enough for a horse. 
I never saw such big pills, Joe. You could hardly swallow them. Purple, too. Yeah. Eleven jobs in three months. All the same M.O., all the same descriptions. None of them add up to anything we can make. Yeah. Skipper said he had a call from the insurance company that underwrote the jewelry store they hit last Thursday. Yeah. Said the guy was real nasty. That if we couldn't clean it up, he was going to the police commission to get some action that way. Robbery Friday. Who? Oh, yeah, Rod. Yeah, sure, I remember. How's it going? Oh, uh, that's good. What? Yeah. Yeah, I guess we can come right down. All right, sure. Okay, Rod, thanks. We'll be right there. Remember Rod Nealon, the guy we nailed for robbery five years ago? Nealon? Yeah, I know who you mean. He wants to see us, says he's got some information. Yeah. About the guys we're after. For the past three months, a pair of hold-up men had been victimizing the owners of large jewelry stores and supermarkets. In each case, the descriptions of the two suspects was the same. Suspect number one was described as WMA, 30 to 35 years old, red hair, tall and lean. Suspect number two was described as WMA, 25 to 30 years old, 5 foot 7, 120 pounds. Victims reported that the larger of the two bandits had a slight stutter, but neither of them had any visible marks or scars. In each instance, the method of operation the bandits used was the same. The two men would enter the store at about 10 a.m. The smaller of the two thieves would ask to use the telephone. He'd go to the rear of the store, and there he would produce a 32 caliber automatic. The other man would pull a sawed-off shotgun, and together, the two of them would tape the victim's hands and feet and lock them in a rear room. Then they'd rifle the safe and leave. None of the victims could tell us if the pair used a car. Everyone concerned had been shown mug books, but they were unable to make an identification. The M.O. had been run through the stats office, but after the possibles had been checked out, we had nothing. Communications had been gotten off to George Brereton up at CII Sacramento, but they were unable to help us in making an identification. For three months, the holdup men were able to hit where they wanted and when they wanted, and it seemed as if we were unable to stop them. All sources of information had been checked, but they netted us no new leads. 8.25 a.m., Frank and I drove over to see Rod Nealon. He worked in the small machine shop on South La Brea. He checked with the shop foreman and got permission to talk to us. He led us to a small lunch stand around the corner from the shop. We ordered a cup of coffee, and Rod told us why he'd called. I got to reading the papers, read about these holdups, and figured maybe I could give you guys a hand. We can use it, Rod. You guys were pretty nice to me when I got picked up. Sort of figure I owe you a favor. Well, what's the information you got, Rod? Well, I was in the bar the other night. See, Friday night. Placed down on third, you know, having a beer. Yeah. Well, I sat there for a little bit, chewing up a storm with a bartender, and these two guys come in. Got a girl with them. Uh-huh. Well... The three of them go over to a booth, sit down and order drinks. I didn't pay much attention to them. You know, it's none of my business. Yeah, go ahead. Well, when they put in their order, bartender and me got kind of laughing about it. Why is that? Well, the two guys ordered bourbon, but the girl ordered one of those weird mixed things. You know, cream de menthe and cream de cocoa and chopped up ice. Real weird. When I looked over at her, usually the only people who ordered things like that are young kids. I asked the bartender about it. Yeah. He said that's all the girl ever ordered. Said they came in all the time, steady customers. So what makes you think they're the ones we're after, Rod? Well, the way they looked and acted. Two fellas were loaded with money, had a roll to choke a horse. Right then, I didn't think much about it. Figured maybe they were just trying to impress the girl, you know. Mm-hmm. Didn't really think much about it then. On the way home, I stopped and picked up a morning paper. I read about the robberies. I noticed the descriptions you had on them. Fit the two guys in the bar to a T. Tall redhead, short, dark fella. Big one even had that stutter. You got any names on these two fellas? No, I didn't hear anything. Not from them, anyway. I, I asked the bartender. He said the big one was called Chet and the little guy's named Vince. 
He didn't know much about them, just said they came in a lot and had a lot of money to spend. Any idea where they lived? No, I don't think he knew. How about a car? Did you see one? Uh-uh. No, like I said, I was there when they came in, and I left before they did. If, if I'd known what the bit was, I'd have stuck around and tried to get some more information for you. I didn't even figure it until I got home and saw the papers. You heard anything around about the two men? Not a thing. That's straight, too. I'm carrying a lunch bucket now. I got a job, and I keep my nose out of trouble. I had enough jail. I don't want any more of it. Well, that's good to hear, Rod. I learned. No more. <laughs> Tough to learn it that way, but I guess there ain't no other. Now, sir, I'm clean. I'm going to stay that way. Like I said, though, you guys were nice to me. You gave me a break. I want to help you out. You know, sort of say thanks. Yeah, hey, Rod, and we appreciate it, too. You know that. Listen, anything I can do, I'm with you, fellas. Where is this bar? It's a place on 3rd called Tad. It's a little joint. Yeah, we know it. Most of the guys come in are there for contact, you know, trying to set something up. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just it, Rod. What do you mean? Well, I think that if Frank and I walk into the place, somebody will make us sure we're known there. We'll burn the place, lose the two men. Yeah, I guess so. Well, you want me to hang around there, keep you posted, let you know what the guys are doing? Well, that's kind of up to you, Rod. They found out I was playing footsie with you. They nailed me sure. You know that. Well, you know we'll give you all the help we can if you want to do it. It's going to be a little expensive sitting in there. Can't just sit without ordering something, you know. Yeah. Well, here. Here's ten bucks. That ought to keep you going for a while. Yeah, well, for a while. What do you want me to find out? Well, get an address if you can. Find out where these guys work, what they do for a living, if they own a car. Get the license number if you can. Who the girl is, where she lives. Just as much as you can, you know. Okay, I'll I get back to you. Well, we'll be around. You won't have to look far. I hope not. Those two guys get onto me. I got big trouble, you know. Well, you don't have to do this if you don't want to, Rod. Well, I want to. You guys have helped me plenty of times. Maybe I can kind of pay you back this way. I know I don't have to do it, Joe. It was my idea. It's okay by me if you guys will stay close. We will, Rod. Well, let's put it this way. You guys just stay close by. I'm 37. I got 28 years to go. Yeah. I want to be around for that social security. We got the description of the girl who'd been seen with the two suspects, then Frank and I drove back to the office. We checked the names Chet and Vince through the moniker files in R&I. We came up with several possibles, but they were eliminated. For the next three days, we kept in constant contact with Rod Nealon. He would report for work at 8 a.m., finish up at 5, and then after a dinner downtown, he'd spend the evening in the bar down on 3rd Street. During that time, he had no contact with the two men. They'd failed to make an appearance at the bar. The kickbacks from up north arrived, but we got no new leads from them. Saturday, September 10th, Frank and I met with Nealon for lunch. He told us that he hadn't seen the suspects since the night he told us about. He said that the bartender told him that they hadn't been in the place on 3rd Street. 3.16 p.m., Frank and I checked back into the office. Well, that went no place. I wonder where they are. I don't know, Joe. Nothing around town on them. Maybe they decided they were running their luck a little close, huh? Well, it could be, but they got no reason to quit. As far as they know, they're in the clear. There's nothing to scare them off. No. You think Rod is playing ball with us? I don't know. There's no reason not to. He came to us. We didn't go to him. Guess he learned his lesson. Takes a lot of nerve to do what he's doing. Glad to see he's playing it straight, though. Yeah. You want to check the book? Yeah. Anything there? No, nothing. It's a call from Faye. He wants me to call her before I leave the office. There are a couple of teletypes here. Joe? Yeah? Here's our answer. What? Teletype from San Francisco. Jewelry store was heisted for $150,000. Yeah. Two men, one with a sawed-off shotgun.
We sent a teletype to San Francisco immediately, asking for full details on the holdup. The answer gave the M.O. that the two thieves had used and their descriptions. In every detail, the operation matched that of the two men we were looking for. We put in a call to Rod Nealon, but we found that he hadn't reported for work that day. Frank and I drove out to his apartment, but his landlady told us that she hadn't seen him since the day before. Frank and I checked the places where he ate and where he spent his time when he wasn't working. None of his friends had seen him. We spent the next two days looking for him. From a bartender on 7th, we heard that Rod had been in the place on Sunday the night before, and at that time he'd been pretty drunk. The bartender said that he appeared frightened and nervous. Monday, September 12th, 5.30 p.m., Frank and I checked into the office to sign out for the day. I'll sign us out. All right, I'll check the box. I got it. Robbery Friday. Yeah. Well, where you been? We've been looking all over for you. We thought something had happened. What? When? Yeah. Well, take it easy, Rod. Yeah, we'll get to you. Yeah, what model? You got the license number? Just a minute. All right, go ahead. 2N39291. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We'll see you there. All right, be careful. Rod? Yeah. Says he's been trying to get a hold of us all day. Says he didn't want to leave his name. Two suspects are back in town. Rod says they got a bankroll like Fort Knox, sporting a new car. He got the number. Better check it right away. Where's he been? Well, he said he was worried. He's been trying to stay out of sight. Said we better get the guys fast. Yeah. He thinks they're on to him. Our informant, Rod Nealon, told me on the phone that he'd been hiding for the last two days. He said that on the night the robbery suspects had gotten back into town, the bartender had let it drop to them that Rod had been asking questions. They'd started after him, and he'd been on a two-day drunk trying to hide from them. He said that he'd tried to call us at the office several times, but he'd found that we weren't in. He was reluctant to leave his name or a message for fear that the two hoodlums might in some way find out about it. Frank drove over to his apartment, but found that he wasn't there. When I'd spoken to him on the phone, he told me that he'd wait there until we could pick him up. The landlady at his place hadn't seen him and told Frank that she didn't even know that Rod was in the building. While Frank was gone, I checked the license number of the car through RDMV. They called us back to tell me that the car was registered to a Miss Dolly Keene at 18924 Elmwood Drive, Hollywood. Frank got back to the office and we drove out to see the girl. On the apartment register, she was listed as the tenant of apartment 406. We knocked at the door to the manager's apartment and waited. Yes? You the manager, ma'am? Yeah, something I can do for you? We're police officers. We'd like to talk to you. Here's our identification. I see. Friday. Yes, ma'am. It's my partner, Frank Smith. How do you do, ma'am? How do you do? I'm Barbara Townsend. Would you like to come in and talk? Might be better than the hall. Thank you very much, Miss Townsend. <laughs> it's Mrs. I'm a widow woman. Husband died seven years ago. I'm sorry to hear that, ma'am. It's all right, Mr. Friday. I'm used to being a widow now. Just sit down. We can have our talk. Thank you. Now then, what was it you want to talk about? Not something I've done, I hope. No, Miss Townsend. It's about one of your tenants, a Miss Dolly Keene. Oh, that one. Might have known it. Why did you say that, ma'am? Oh, just because. I always knew she was going to cause trouble here. I knew it. I told Sinbad about it. Told him a lot of times. Sinbad? Give us a description of the man. Tall man, over six feet, red hair, had a kind of stutter. I never talked to him, I just heard him when they came in. My door is right near the front, you know. Yes, ma'am. Do you have any other friends in the building, ma'am, do you know? Oh, no, no, isn't anybody in the building likes her. Well, except that Mr. Newton on the second floor. He's kind of flighty. 
impressed with a pretty girl, you know. But she's not friendly with anybody. Well, does she have any visitors? Anyone who came to see her? Just her boyfriend, the red-headed one. And then there was the other one. I don't think he was a friend of hers, though. What other one's that, man? Uh, he's a little man, dark. I think he was a friend of the boyfriend. Seemed that way to me. Any of them drive a car, would you know? Well, I don't know about the others, but Miss Keene just got one. Brand new. 1953. Don't know where she got the money for it, but by golly, she's got the car. Uh-huh. She worked, ma'am. I don't know. When she signed the lease, she told me that she was a designer for a clothing company out here. That's a fact. She's got mighty cushy hours. Seems to come and go whenever she pleases. But when she get the new car, do you know? It's a couple of days ago. She told me that she had to go out of town on some business. Wanted me to keep an eye on her apartment. She didn't have to tell me that. I'm the manager here. Of course, I'm going to watch the place. Yes, ma'am. Uh, about the car, please. Oh, yeah. Well, she had it when she came back. Just drove up in it, smart as you please. Told me that she wanted a garage for it. Said she didn't want to leave it on the streets at night. I told her she'd just have to wait. We got 18 units here and only 10 garages. All of them are taken. I told her she'd just have to wait. She said she maybe would leave it over at her sister's for a few days. Her sister's? Yeah, she has a sister in the neighborhood someplace. You know where she lives? No, I don't. Pretty sure it's someplace in the neighborhood, though. Would you know her sister's name? No. Sorry, I can't help you out there either. She's married. Don't know her married name. Miss Keene never mentioned well, that. How about mail, Miss Townsend? Miss Keene get much mail? I couldn't tell you that. They got their own keys, open their own mailboxes. I got no way of telling what they get. I see. Of course, I could see in through the little slots in the mailbox. She got a few letters. I couldn't tell you where they were from, though. I see. She in now, would you know? No. I mean, I don't think she's in. I haven't heard her. Usually she comes in laughing and carrying on, so I'd know if she was in. What's all this about, anyway? What's she done? Well, we'd just like to talk to her, Mrs. Townsend. Like that, is it? Ma'am? Got something secret to talk about. No, ma'am, it's not that. It'd be better if we talked to her, that's all. Ma'am? Well, I hope you get the chance to. Beg pardon? Well, last time I saw her, she talked about leaving town. You are listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. In the company of the manager, Frank and I went through the girl's apartment. In the closets, we found clothing that indicated that she'd returned to the place. We called the office and told them that we were setting up a stakeout on the building. Frank and I went downstairs and parked the car up the street. Frank was in the front seat of the car. I stayed in the back. 8.30 p.m. There was still no sign of the girl. Frank called the office and found that our informant, Rod Nealon, was still missing. We waited. 9.30 p.m. 10. 11.30 p.m. A car answering the description of the girls pulled up in front of the apartment building. Joe? Yeah, I see him. Car matches. Can you see the license? No, not from here. Two people in the car, a girl and a man. Yeah. Well, let's try it. Right. I'll cover the other side, huh? Right. Excuse me. Yeah? 
Oh, what is it? I'd like to see your identification, please. Well, what for? I'm doing nothing. Police officers like to see your ID. I don't know what, what, what this is all about. All right, mister, get out of the car. I don't know what you guys are trying to prove with all this, getting so a guy can't take his girl out anymore without cops rousing him. Looks like the other one in the car that just pulled up. Yeah. Finch, get out of here. It's the cops. I'll get him. All right, get your hands in the back of me. Lousy cops, you'll never get him. Stand still. You'll never get him. He's probably got your partner by now. All right, get back in the car. What's going on, Chip? Lousy cops, they think they got us. Vince is a good shot. All right, give me those ignition keys, lady. What for? Give them to me. Now, both of you, stay in the car. Joe, the apartment house. Over here. How about it? He's up there on the second floor. All right, come on, mister. Give it up. Get away from me, cop. Get away. Throw that gun down here. Come on, throw that gun down. What do you figure, Joe? I don't know. Cover me. I'll go up. How about it? I don't see him. Stop it! Don't shoot! I give up! I give up! Don't shoot anymore, please! All right, mister, throw that gun out here. Come on! Throw it out here. All right! There it is, you got it. Now give me a break. I got it, Joe. All right, come on, put your hands against that wall. I'm hurt. He shot me. Now leave me alone. I'm hurt. You see that? I'll shake him. All right. He's clean. Call a doctor. Give me a doctor. I'll bleed to death. Don't give me a doctor. You're not hurt that bad. Now, come on. Let's go. I'll give you a hand. Come on. All right, come on. What's all the shooting about? Oh. Shot him, huh? Yes, ma'am. I better call Georgia Street, Frank. Get the other ones in the car. Yeah, I'll stay here with this one. Frank? What's the matter? Something wrong? Yeah, I got to get out of broadcast. They're gone. When the number two suspect had started firing at Frank, I handcuffed the first suspect and I went to Frank's aid. On returning to the car, we found that both suspects had escaped. The man was still handcuffed, so moving around would be difficult for him. A broadcast was gotten out to all units in the area on the two escaped suspects. The car they'd driven was still parked out in front of the apartment. An ambulance arrived and removed the wounded suspect to the county hospital. Before he was taken away, he gave us the names of his two accomplices, a Chester Rayburn and Dolly Keene. We called the office and told him what had happened. Additional teams of men were sent out to help us canvass the area. Frank and I went through the personal effects of Dolly Keene. In a desk drawer, we found a telephone book, and one of the numbers in the book bore the name Sis. We gave a telephone number and an address three blocks from the apartment house. We got in touch with Captain Didion and informed him of the developments. Additional men from Metro Division were sent out to cover the address listed in the telephone book. Captain Didion also told us that our informant, Rod Nealon, had been found in a rooming house on 3rd Street where he'd been hiding since the two bandits had gotten back into town. He was placed in protective custody. Frank and I went over to the sister's apartment. Yeah, what do you want? Police officers. You Patricia Saxon? Yeah, so what? I want to look at your apartment. What for? There's nothing here that means anything to you. Has sister been here tonight? No. I haven't seen her last couple of days. Anyone here with you? No. We're going to have to look. Yeah, maybe I don't want you to. That's tough, lady. All right, let's shake it down, Frank. Yeah. There's no one here. Isn't anybody with me? Closet in the bedroom. Yeah. 
Better stay away from there. He's got a shotgun. Cover that side, Frank. Yeah. All right, Rayburn. Open the door slow and throw that gun out here. Rayburn, we'll tell you once more. We know you're in there. Now throw that gun out here. It's not coming out, Joe. All right, cop. Here it is. I don't want no trouble. You hear? No, no trouble. You got the gun. All right, come on. Get up, Rayburn. On your feet. You too, Miss Keene. Come on out of there. Don't shoot. Please don't. We didn't mean nothing. Don't, don't shoot. We get out. Well, come on out of there. Keep your hands on your head there. I'll get him. Wasn't anything else I could do. Had to do what they tell me. Come in here with that gun and wanted something to cut those handcuffs off with. Had to do what they said. Yeah, sure. They'd have killed me if I didn't. I know it. They'd have killed me. A couple of more minutes and we'd have had it made. Just a couple more, more minutes, that's all. That's all we needed. Though we got up north, he never got us. We'd have had it made. One more big job. That's what you said. One more and we'd be through. Well, wise guy, where are we now? Right where he said you'd be. What? You're through. The story you've just heard was true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On January 18th, trial was held in Department 87, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that trial. Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Did you know that Chesterfield shows up year after year as first choice of young America? Now, that's based on a survey made in 274 colleges and universities. The reason is we're first with premium quality in both regular and king size. Chesterfield, it's a good mild smoke with a wonderful taste. Chester Lloyd Rayburn and Vincent Robert Parker were tried and found guilty on nine counts of robbery in the first degree. They were sentenced to the state penitentiary for the term prescribed by law. Robbery in the first degree is punishable by imprisonment for a period of not less than five years. Lillian Keene, alias Dolly Keene, was tried and convicted of being an accessory. She received sentence as prescribed by law. Aiding a principal in a felony is punishable by imprisonment in the state penitentiary for a period of not more than five years. Ladies and gentlemen, in the fight against an old enemy, polio, medical research has armed us with a powerful new weapon, gamma globulin. Used soon enough, it can prevent the paralyzing effects of polio. But first, you must furnish the raw material, blood. Doctors urgently need your donation of blood to make gamma globulin. So call the Red Cross. Please don't put it off. It's too important. Call the Red Cross tomorrow and make an appointment to give blood. You have just heard Dragnet. A series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Peggy Weber, Peter Leeds. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. For a million laughs, tune in Chesterfield's Martin and Lewis show Tuesday on this same NBC station. And sound off for Chesterfield's. Either regular or king size, you'll find premium quality Chesterfield's much milder. Chesterfield, 
is best for you. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet transcribed from Los Angeles. Stay tuned for Archie Andrews next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Archie Andrews and the episode Locked Out. Weekly visit to Riverdale. It's 10 o'clock Friday evening as we join the Andrews family, and we find Mr. and Mrs. Andrews just returning home after an evening of bridge. Well, Mary, that was quite an evening. So I guess this time we showed the Hendersons who plays the best game of bridge. Yes, dear. <laughs> How much did we lose? <laughs> well, well. Uh... If you would return my lead in that last hand, we'd have won. We'd... Now, Fred, let's not rehash that last hand all night. The game's over, it's late, and I'm tired. So open the door and let's get to bed. All right, all right. I... Oh, good grief. What's the matter? Oh, nothing, dear, but you better let me have your keys. All right, dear. I... My keys? My house keys? Yes, dear. I didn't take mine when we went out. But, Fred, my keys are in my purse, and I told you I was leaving my purse home tonight. Mary, what has that got to do with opening the... Left your purse? <laughs> you mean to say your keys are locked inside the house, too? I'm afraid so. Oh, good grief. We're locked out. It looks that way. Well, all the time for this to happen. No keys. Mary, how can you be so absent-minded? Fred, You're always I... forgetting things. Fred, Never I... saw anyone like you for forgetting things. Fred, you forgot your keys, too, remember? So. <laughs> That's right, I did, didn't I? Oh, oh. oh, it doesn't matter, dear. It doesn't matter. I'll just ring the bell and wake Archie up. That's all. All right. For a minute, oh. I was afraid you... Wake Archie up? Fred, you can't do that. Why not? The boy's probably just gotten asleep. Yeah, but Mary, You I... wake him up now and you'll never get back to bed. Mary, I... Besides, it's not fair to Archie to wake him out of a sound sleep. He's a growing boy and he needs his sleep. Mary, look, I'm not a growing boy, but I need sleep, too. <laughs> Fred, I know that, but do we have to wake Archie? Nope. No, we don't have to wake him. We can just curl up on the front lawn and spend the night there. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, all right, Fred. I suppose we have to wake the boy up. Ring the bell. All right. Don't know why you couldn't have said that five minutes ago. Stand here all night arguing about whether to get into my own house or not. (laughs) Cold out here, too. What's taking that boy so long, anyway? Well, he'll be down in a minute. He has to put on his bathrobe and slippers, doesn't he? Mary, about you were a centipede, he could have put his slippers on by this time. I'll ring it again. (coughs) Now what's keeping him? Well, he always was a sound sleeper. Mary, a dead man would have heard the bell by this time. (laughs) 
Um, try calling him. Oh, me, all right, dear. I'll call him. Archie. Call again, dear. Archie. Call again. Archie. Call again. Mary, you sound like a telephone operator. What? Never mind, dear, never mind. Archie! You calling me that? Yes, and it's about time you heard me. About time? Yes. Fred, I... Mary, I'll handle this. Yes, you about time. I rang that bell for an hour. But, Dad, Now, I... get down here and open this door. Well, Dad, And I... hurry up. Well, Dad, I can't I'm... stand here all night. Fred, the boy's... Mary, I... please. But, Fred, I'm trying to tell you, Archie is right there beside Mary, you. Mary, I know that, but what difference does it make if he is? This door right here. <laughs> Archie, where did you come from? Jughead's house, Dad. I went over there to do some homework with him right after you and Mom left for the Hendersons. Oh, fine. And I thought you were up in your... Oh, well, it doesn't matter now. As long as you're here, Archie. As long as you're here, unlock that front door. Okay, Dad. Give me your keys. All right. I have them right here in my... Give my keys. Archie, that's the point. I don't have my keys. I left them in the house. She was, you did? Yes, I did. Now, use your own keys and open that door. Well, she was, Dad. When I went to Jughead's house, I forgot you had gone out and I didn't take my keys with me. Archie, never mind the details. Just open the door and... <laughs> what did you say? I said I didn't take my keys with me. Mary, Mary, did you hear what the boy said? He didn't no, take his... No, Fred, don't he... make a scene. Don't make a scene. Mary, I'll... After all, if we uh... both forgot our keys, why shouldn't Archie be entitled to forget his? Because nobody with any brains ever... I, I mean, if he took after me, he... I mean, he has no right to... 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 Good grief, I don't know what I mean. <laughs> Fred, it looks like we're locked out. Let's face it. Mary, I am facing it, but I don't know what to do about it. Well, gee whiz, maybe the back door is open. No, dear, it isn't. You know that ever since the time burglars broke into Mrs. Hastings' house and took $6 in Mr. Hastings' wig, I always lock all the windows and doors before we go out so nobody can get in. Including us. Well, Fred, I didn't forget the keys on purpose, you know. Yes, Mary, I... What's that? She wished that's our fault. Oh, fine. Oh, dear. I wonder who it can be. Might be important. Yeah. It might even be Veronica. Oh, dear. Fred, we've got to answer the phone. And just how do you suggest I do that from out here? Gee whiz, maybe if we shouted hello real loud, they'd... Dear, <laughs> don't be funny. that, okay. Oh, dear. Frustrating to hear it and not be able to answer it. Mary, look, if it's important, they'll call back later. Besides, it seems to have stopped now anyway. Yes, so. Fred, we've got to get into that house. Yes, Mary, I know that, but how? Hey, gee whiz. What is it? An open window. An open window? Where? Where, Archie? Where? Up there in my room. Good. We'll just climb through and... Up there. In your room? Uh-huh. Oh, great. Archie, look, a lot of help that is. How are we going to get into an open window up in the second floor? Fly? She was no, Dad. We can use our stepladder. Stepladder? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, stepladder. <laughs> Archie, that's a wonderful idea. Fine, Archie. Great. Go get the ladder. Okay, Dad. It's down in the basement. Give me your keys. All right. I have the right... Don't! Don't! <laughs> 
Gee, for the last time, I don't have my keys, so please quit asking for them. Oh, gee whiz, I forgot. Archie, are you sure the ladder's down in the basement? Belongs in the garage. Oh, I'm positive, Mom. I saw it down there just this afternoon. Well, what the dickens is it doing there? Well, you put it there. No. Fred, never mind what it's doing there. We can't get it, and that's that. Oh, I guess so. But, Mary, what are we going to do? We can't stand here all night. Gee, was that? I know. No? No what? Well, I can just run next door to Betty's house and borrow their ladder. Their ladder? Sure, Dad. Don't you remember that big extension ladder that Betty's father has? Oh, yes. That's just what we need. Run over and borrow. Okay, Dad. Be right back. Well, well, Mary, now we're getting someplace. As soon as Archie gets that ladder, we'll just climb up to that open window up there and get into the house. <laughs> yes, sir, it's a good thing I thought of Betty's father's ladder. You thought of it? Fred Andrews, it was Archie who thought of it, not you. Yes. All right, dear, all right, all right. Oh, Archie thought of it. The main thing is that as soon as he gets the ladder, we'll get into the house. Jughead. What'd you expect? The shadow? <laughs> No, Jughead, I did not expect the shadow, nor you either. Jughead, what are you doing here? Oh, Mr. Sanders, I brought the big book back. You what? Brought the big book back. Jughead, what is a big book back? You, you don't understand. There's no such thing as a big book back. Didn't you say you just brought one? No, I said I brought the big book back. <laughs> Jughead, I still don't know what the dickens you're talking about. I'm talking about Archie's history book. History book? Uh-huh. Archie has two history books, a big one and a small one. What about it? Oh, he left the big one at my house. Yes? I thought he might need it, so I brought the big book back. <laughs> For pity's sake. Jughead, why didn't you say so? I did, five times. <laughs> Hey, what are you folks doing out here, anyway? Jug, we're waiting for Archie to get back here with the ladder. We're locked out. Locked out? Locked out of your house? Yes, Jug had locked out of the house. She was... My Uncle Herman was locked out of the house once, and he had to pick the lock with a hairpin. With a hairpin? Uh-huh. And boy, did he have trouble. What kind of trouble? Wrong house. <laughs> oh, for pity's sake. Jughead, that's very interesting, but we don't have time for your stories about your Uncle Herman right hey, now. Hey, wait, wait a minute. What? Mary, that's a wonderful idea. What's a wonderful idea? Well, why wait for Archie to get back here with that ladder and then have to go climb through a window? I bet I could pick that lock. Fred, you're fooling. I am not. As a matter of fact, picking a lock is very simple. The chief of police was showing us how it's done down at the Chamber of Commerce lecture on crime prevention last month. Why, it's a sin. Oh, but Fred, I Mary, don't... I tell you, there's nothing to it there. Besides, what do we have to lose? A hairpin. Just be quiet. Mary, do you have a hairpin? Well, yes, dear, I think so. There should be one of my hair right here. Somewhere. Oh, here it is, dear. Yeah, thank you, dear. Thank you. I should have thought of this long ago. Now, just watch the old master go to work. Yeah, Raffles Andrews, they call him. Just be quiet. Now, just put the hairpin in here. And I turn it around till it catches on the tumbler like that. Then I give it a little twist and... Uh, that's funny. Fred, does it work? Uh, no, dear. There must be something wrong with the lock. The hairpin's stuck in it. You mean you can't get the hairpin out? No, dear, I can't. When the chief of police did it, it was the simplest thing I ever saw. Fred I... Andrews, a lot of help you are. Now the lock's jammed and we'll have to call someone in tomorrow to no, fix no, no, it. No, 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 dear, don't get excited. Oh, we're no worse off than we were. We just wait for Archie to bring the ladder. 
Then after we get into the house, I'll get some pliers and get that hair pin out myself. Oh, I don't think you... Oh, here's the... Oh, he has the ladder. Yeah. Yeah, I got the ladder, Dad. But I had to wake Betty's father up, and boy, was he mad. Oh, dear. Was he very mad? No, it doesn't matter, Mary. It doesn't matter. I'll apologize to him in the morning. The main thing is we have the ladder, and now we can get into the house. No, okay, All then. right, now, then, let's... Get... Oh, fine. She was... There goes the phone again. Oh, dear. It must be something important. Yeah, I bet it's Veronica. Archie, she said I, she'd call. Archie, and I, I said I'd be home. And Archie, she'll think I, I'm out with another girl. What Archie, look! There is no sense standing here moaning about that phone. We can't answer it. Now, the sooner we get up that get that ladder set up, and the sooner we get up to the where we're going, and we can answer the phone, call Veronica, and see if she's the one who's calling. Yes, Dad. Stop now, anyway. Well, come on. Get the ladder and what was that? I don't know. <laughs> Gee whiz, that sounds like Jughead. Archie, don't be silly. Jughead is right here. Good grief, where is Jughead? Fred, that is Jughead. Yes, Mary, but where the dickens is he? Jughead, where are you? Down in the basement. Down in the basement? How could he be down in the basement? Fred, I don't know. That basement window over there is open. He must have gone in through that. Oh, good grief. Jughead, are you down there? You're in. Get me out of here. Uh, Jughead, calm down for a minute. How did you get in there? I saw this window open and I climbed in so I could go upstairs and help the first door swing. Oh, Jughead, that's wonderful. Go ahead, go on upstairs and open the door for us. That's just it, I can't. I laid it in a closet or something and it's locked. Oh, for pity's sake. Fred, that window leads into the storage closet where I keep my jams and jellies and preserves. Good grief. Mary, do you keep that closet locked? No, dear, it isn't locked, but I keep a piece of wood in the latch so the door won't swing open. And as far as Jughead's concerned, it's locked. Get me out of this closet! Jughead, listen, can't you climb back out of the window? No! I had it jumped down and I had nothing to stand on to get back up. There's nothing here but some jars. Fred, tell him not to dare stand on those jars. Mary, Those are my best jams and jelly. Mary, He'll break every one of them if he tries to stand on them. Mary! I'll tell him. Uncle Pete, say calm down and quit worrying about your jams and jellies. Oh, Fred, I don't want him to break them. It took me hours and hours. Mary, I said I'd tell him. All right, dear. Jughead, look. I'm looking, but it's too dark to see anything. (laughs) Then listen. It looks like you had to stay right where you are for a while. What is it, Mr. Inspector? Jughead! Okay, okay. Now, Jughead, it'll take us just a minute to get that ladder up and get into the house. And as soon as we do, we'll come down and let you out of there. But right now, there's nothing you can do but sit there and be patient. You understand? He was okay. Okay. Now, remember... Don't try to climb out. You'll only have an accident. Okay, but hurry up. The trouble's gone down here. Yes, we'll hurry as fast as we can, Jughead. Oh. Come on, Archie. Let's put that ladder up. Okay, Dad. Boy, but that Jughead sure gets into things. He certainly does. We'll have him out in a minute. Now, let's just put this ladder up against the house. Okay, Dad. I have this side. Oh, good. Stand it against the house. Yep. There we are. Fred, it doesn't reach high enough. Of course it doesn't, dear, not yet. We have to raise the extension half to where we want it. Oh. Now, you hold the ladder, and I'll pull on this rope to raise the other half of the ladder. Oh, okay, Dad. Oh, 
Archie up that ladder. Why not? Because it's dangerous, that's why not. He might slip and fall right off the ladder and break a leg. Fred, you go up. Oh. All right, I'll go. Who go up? Oh, it's all right if I slip and break a leg, I suppose. It doesn't matter if I break a leg. I didn't mean that at all. I meant you'll be more cautious about it, dear. You know how reckless youngsters are. She was, Mom. I'm not reckless. Never mind, Archie. Your mother is right. I'll go up the ladder. He was okay, okay. But I can climb a ladder just as good as anyone. There's some other time, Archie. Well, here I go. Be careful now, Fred. Yes, I am, dear, I am. Ah, boy, Dad. Keep going. Yes, Archie. Careful, Dad. You're coming to the extension now. Careful. I know it, Archie, I know it. I... Fred, what happened? Mary, you saw what happened. I got halfway up that ladder, the darn extension slipped, and I slid back down. That's what happened. Gee whiz. You know, it probably didn't lock in place like it was supposed to. It probably didn't. (laughs) I was lucky I didn't fall off there and break my neck. I... Hello, everybody. Gee whiz, Betty. Oh, fine. Hello, Betty. How's the ladder working out, Mr. Andrews? Betty, so far the ladder is not working out. It isn't? No, it isn't. I put the ladder up, then I got halfway up, then the extension slipped back, and I slid off the ladder. Oh, golly, no wonder. Huh? You've got the ladder wrong side out. Wrong side out? Uh huh, sure. Hmm? Turn it over so the extension part is outside, and then it can't slip. Uh, oh. Well, is that why it's slipped? Oh, sure it is, Mr. Andrews. I'm sure that's why. Positive that's why. I think. Uh, well, maybe you're right, Betty. Well, yeah. I think you are right. Come on, Archie. Let's twist the ladder around so I can use the other side of it. Okay, Dad. Uh, yeah. e- easy now. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I got it. There we are. Uh, now I'll raise the extension again, and we're all set. Yeah, sure. I should have thought of that myself. Uh, now it's okay. Oh, Fred, be careful. Oh, don't worry, Mrs. Andrews. It'll work all right now. Yes, sir. Can't miss now. Uh, after all, a ladder is a simple thing. I'll get up there this time, or my name isn't Fred Andrews. Call me Joe. She whiffed. Golly, Fred, did you hurt yourself? Mary, I didn't do myself any good. Oh, oh, my back. Oh, golly, I'm sorry, Mr. Andrews. I guess the other way was right in the first place. Right in the first place? Betty, I... Fred, don't make a scene. Don't make a scene. I fall off a ladder. I nearly killed myself because Betty tells me to turn it over. And you tell me not to make a scene. Mary, I... Arguing about it won't do any good. If you don't know how to use that ladder, don't use it. 
But we've got to get into the house. All right, dear, all right. But if we're going to get into that house, Mary, we'll have to find some other way of going. Oh, great. Golly, what's that? Jughead. He's in the basement. Oh, dear. Fred, we better see what's the matter. Jughead sounds like he's in trouble. Oh, dear. Jughead, what is it? Oh, Jughead, I'm right here. What's the matter? Jughead, I said I'm right here. What's the matter? There's a mouse in here. Jughead, you mean to say you made all that noise because there's a little mouse in there? Yeah, I'm afraid of mice in the dark. <laughs> oh, fine. Jughead, look, if there is a mouse in there, believe me, he's more afraid of you than you are of him. Yeah, but he's afraid to get out of here and I don't. <laughs> well, then you may be sure he's gone by now, so just be quiet. Okay, but when do I get out of here? As soon as we get into the house. Just be patient. Gee whiz, okay, but well, hurry up. Yes, Jughead. Oh, that Jughead. Mary, I tell you, that boy is Fred, not right. Fred, never mind, Jughead. Now we still have to get into the house. It's getting late. Mary, don't you think I want to get into that house as much as you do? Yes, dear. But do something about it. I'm trying to, dear. I'm trying... Oh, no. She was the phone again. Golly, and you can't answer it, can you? Uh, no, we can't answer it. So I don't want to hear any more moaning about how important the call probably is. Just let the darn thing ring and ignore it. Yeah, Dad. But whoever it is sure keeps calling back. Archie, it may be three different people who have called. Or it may even be three wrong numbers for all we know. Just forget the darn thing. Okay, Dad, okay. Stop anyway again. Now, this... Anybody have any ideas of how we're going to get into this house? Mr. Andrews? Yes? I just noticed something on the ladder. Betty, I don't want to hear any more about that ladder. It is a menace to life and limb. I am not going up on it again for a million dollars. Okay, Mr. Andrews, but I'm just curious about whether you locked it. Locked it? Well, yes, you see this gadget? It says lock here. That's so it won't slip back. Oh, good grief. I never saw that. Gee whiz, no wonder the ladder kept slipping. Oh, for pity's sake. Fred, do you think it's safe to try it again if you lock it with that gadget? Oh, I don't know, Mary. I... And, Dad, I'll hold the ladder this time, and we'll be doubly sure it won't slip. No, maybe so. All right, Archie. I don't know what else we can do. Let's put the ladder up there again. Yeah, okay, Dad. Uh, there we are. Now I'll raise the extension again. Well, that's fine, uh, Mr. Andrews. All right. Now, Archie, lock that gadget. Okay, Dad. There. Now I bet it won't slip in a million years. Yeah, I don't expect to be on the ladder that long. <laughs> but you hold it anyway now, do you hear? Oh, yes, sir, Dad. I'll hold it with all my strength. All right. Now maybe we can get into this house. I... Well, and just what's going on here? Oh, I'm just going up this ladder to see... Oh, good grief. The policeman. Oh, dear. She wears Ollie. Well, uh, hello up there. Yeah. <laughs> a nice evening. Yes. <laughs> Lovely evening. But I asked you what's going on here. Well, officer, you see, my name is Fred Andrews, and this is my wife, Mary Andrews, and this is my son, Archie. Never mind the family history. What's going on here? Well, I'm getting to that, officer. I'm getting to that. You see, I live here, and we're locked out of the house. 
Locked out. Yes, we forgot our keys and we're trying to get into the house. Yeah. And if you wait just a minute till uh, we get in, officer, I'll be glad to show you my mortgage and prove it's my house and everything. <laughs> what was that? The great Jughead again. Who? Jughead. He's in the basement and he's afraid in the of the basement. Listen, I thought you said you were locked out. Oh, we are, officer. We're locked out, and Jughead is locked in. Oh, you're locked out, and he's locked in. Yes, he's in the preserve closet, officer. Look, Mary, and I Mary, don't want I'll to handle stand this. A... Yeah, you see, he's really in a jam, you might say. <laughs> you get it? Even... <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> Jughead, what's the matter now? Jughead, I told you not to be afraid of one little mouse. I'm not, but I think he's brought his friend. <laughs> <laughs> Jughead, be quiet for just a minute. We're having a little trouble here. Okay, okay. Oh, that boy. Now, officer, I can explain the whole thing. My wife and I went out to play some bridge. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not interested in any stories. I want to see proof that you own this house. And I want to see whoever it is. You've got locked in that basement. Oh, we don't have him locked in there. He just... Never mind. You yes. just go ahead and get into that house, and then we'll get this thing straightened out. Oh, all right, officer. I will. I will right now. Archie, hold this way. Oh, okay, Dad. Okay, I got it. I'm sure you hold it good and strong. I... Come on now. Quit stalling. I don't have all night. Hey, yes, officer. I am. I am. I am. Uh... Oh, Archie, hold the ladder now. Okay, Dad, I am. Get up there. Hold the ladder, Archie. My goodness, what's going on here? Veronica. She whispered, Veronica. Hold the ladder, Archie. Hello, Archie. <laughs> <laughs> hold the ladder a little steadier, Archie. Hi, y'all, Archiekins. It's also nice to see old Archie. See ya. <laughs> Hold on, Archie. Come on now. Hurry up there. I am, officer. I am. What's going on here anyway? Archie, hold the ladder. It's wobbly. That's a long story, Veronica. But were you trying to call here a while ago? Why, well, no, Archie. I just Archie, hold the ladder. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. Well, that was a softer landing than I expected. Get off my chest! You landed right on the police line. Well, Mary, I could... Oh, goodness, I didn't know you were on that ladder, Miss Angel. Veronica, please. Get off my chest! Yes, officer, yes, I'm very sorry. Terribly sorry. Never mind the apologies! Just get off my chest! Yes, officer. Archie, give me a hand. Here, Dad. Thank you. Now, officer, See, what, I... what's going on? Jughead. Jughead, how'd you get out? I piled up a bunch of jars and climbed out. Jars? My precious preserved jars? Jughead, did you break any of those jars? My shoes weren't always strawberry colored. Strawberry <laughs> colored? My strawberry jam! Mary, I... My best jam, Rula! Please. Oh, Where was Jughead anyway? In the basement. I... Actually, oh, I... Just a minute here. Oh, you
That's better. Now, listen to me, all of you. This nonsense has gone far enough. Too far, in fact. Yes, Mr. Andrews. Yes, dear. Yes, Dad. Uh-huh. <laughs> be quiet. Now, there's one thing I want to say. There's one thing I want to say. I... I... Huh? I don't know what kind of shenanigans are going on around here. But, mister, if you can explain this, you better start talking and talk quick. But, officer, I tell you, I can explain the whole thing. My wife and I came home from a bridge game a while ago, and we discovered that we didn't have our keys, and the front door was locked. You see? This door right here was locked tighter than a drum, so we had to find a good grief, the door... It opened. It was open all the time. Oh. Man, we never tried the door to see if it was locked. Oh, no. Oh, no. Back to the Andrews. It's half an hour later and things have finally quieted down. We find Archie and his folks inside the house. Oh, oh boy, it feels good to sit down. It certainly does, dear. And how, boy, what a night. Yes, what a day. Oh, great. Uh, that, that phone again. Oh, gee was I'll get it, Dad. Maybe that's the same person who was calling before. Oh, me. Mary, honestly, I have never seen such a night. Neither have I, dear. But it's all over now. And I think you did a wonderful job of explaining things to that policeman. Well, Mary, it wasn't easy. Oh, but now that it's all over, let's just forget the whole thing, shall we? Yes, Gee, dear. Can you imagine that? Imagine what? That was Mr. Henderson calling. Said he'd been trying to reach you ever since you left his house. Reach me? What for? To tell you that you left your keys there. Left my keys Listening to another chapter of the adventures of Archie Andrews, written by Carl Zampel and based on the copyrighted feature appearing in Archie Comics magazine. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Shawnwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.